Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey there, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm incredibly grateful for your support of our show. This week's episode features Lauren and Rachel Piskin. They are a mother and daughter team who are the co-founders of Chase Fitness, which is sort of a combination of Pilates and bungee cords. Um, so I look forward to trying that workout. I hope you enjoy their episode. If you missed last week's episode, it featured Tina Hedges. She's the founder of Lolly. I hope you enjoy the shows. So I am so happy to be joined by Lauren and Rachel Piskin. They are the founders of Chase Fitness, their mother-daughter team. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank Thank you. you. I'm so excited for you both to be here today. We're excited to be here together. So um, I'll start with you, Lauren. Tell us how you're going to spend your day today. So my day today is now sitting with you. (laughs) Then I will walk over to our Flatiron Studio, which is right down the street on 23rd between Park and Madison, and I'll go see the manager there, and I'm gonna work with her um, on things for more of my Upper East Side studio, client follow-ups, classes. We're trying to actually work on another Pilates teacher and make sure she has enough lessons to teach her things. Just kind of going over the operations. That That will be my day today. And you, Rachel? Um, today, well, today is unique because, um, later today I'm going to go home to see my son and, um, but, um, yeah, normally I will be at the studio working with the managers, teachers, developing new programming, um, and so forth. How old is your son? Five months. Oh, baby. Congratulations. Thank you. Is that your first? Yeah. That's called Congratulations, Grandma. Thank you. Oh, God, that name. (laughs) What is your grandma name? Gigi Lou. Oh. It makes it a little more like tolerable yeah I mean I love I love him more than anything but the grandma thing is just like oh my god I'm this mm-hmm. old now yeah well um my kids have a Gigi oh they do yep, they have a Gigi funny. they have a Nana and they have a Mimi oh pick the different, yeah, different names, names to make us feel better <laughs> it's not about them it's, it's our problem <laughs> well you get to pick your grandma name that child can't speak when it comes out of the womb but she kept saying just pick a name already <laughs> Because I really couldn't Yeah, the first it. few weeks, we just, like, didn't have a name. So we'd be like, and blank, because we kept going back and forth. Yeah, you have to have that name. The name's important, but you get to choose it. Yeah, so no. Kind of Actually, my director of certification, he chose it for me. Is that funny? He runs all the um, certifications, and he's the training, the trainer of all our teachers that mm-hmm. are up and coming. And he just felt inspired that you would be a Gigi Lou? He, yeah, he, he really felt I could not be a grandma. Uh-huh. So he, well, kind of the Gigi was my great-grandmother, and mm-hmm. my nickname is Lulu. Oh. So he put the two together. And this is someone that never wants children, by the way. So it was cute. I love it. You could have also just been Lulu. Yeah, no. I, no That's that what we were was, debating. That yeah. was debating. But then the Gigi Lou just, like, flowed. Yeah, it's cool. It's awesome. <laughs> so, um, Rachel, tell us, what is Chase Fitness? So Shay's Fitness is a boutique fitness studio in New York City and New Jersey, and we have four locations. And it's um, group fitness that's Pilates, dance, strength training focused, and it incorporates an overhead bungee system with like a Pilates chair. And then we also have now almost seven years in developed a lot of other classes that include resistance bands. And it really gives you that long, lean, like dancer-like body while really um, improving posture, spinal health, and giving you really strong core. So 
So let's talk about dancer like body. So your background is a professional ballet dancer mm -hmm. as a child. Yeah, a I was in um, School of American Ballet and then New York City Ballet. Um, I joined the company at 16 and my whole life was focused on becoming a ballet dancer, a professional ballet dancer. And so my body was my job. Um, and so I now use that knowledge and to train our clients and our teachers and use that knowledge to help kind of grow our business. And um, at what age did you stop a professional career in ballet? Um, I was about 22. Wow. And then mom here, this is like like the, the duo, dynamic duo. Mm -hmm. You have a long history of being a professional ice skater. And, Correct. And well, I, was, I, was, I didn't go as far as Rachel. Rachel really went as far as anyone could go. Um, New York City Ballet is really the premier company in the world. So mine was more about... You know, I was a competitive figure skater. I enjoyed it. I loved it. But I didn't get to that level of being in the Olympics or, you know, um, that kind of crossover. But I ended up later on, year, years later, training a lot of competitive figure skaters that were national or Olympic champions. So I would do choreography and the off-ice fitness training with them. So it, I kind of went back to NYU after college and I got my master's in Actually, there was something the first time ever. It was called corporate fitness. And then I combined it with dance education. And I kept thinking I would go back to skating right away, but I didn't. And I ended up being the corporate fitness consultant for CBS for eight years, developing all kinds of corporate fitness programming. And I think this journey of fitness, which later in life doing the Shays Fitness, led to what we do now. I, I couldn't have imagined at this point in my life we would be here and I'd be working with my daughter. But all of that definitely helped create what would later become the reinvention method. And um, just out of curiosity, when you put on skates, are you like still an awesome ice skater? Well, it hasn't been in quite a while. Mm -hmm. I talk about taking my grandson when he's ready. Uh -huh. Rachel was on the ice at three and I was coaching then. And Rachel actually was a skater up until about nine. Mm -hmm. Um, no, right? I think at this point in my life, I could probably get around fine. I could probably do a few things, but I would not attempt mm -hmm. at this point. I'd be very scared. Actually, the funny story is one time Rachel was probably three, and I showed my husband we were away at a ski vacation. I said, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to do all these jumps for you. And the next day, I couldn't get out of bed. Oh, my gosh. And the thing is, when you coach, as a coach, you don't do anything. Mm -hmm. You do very minimal. So you really, more than anything, you're freezing cold because you're not moving. You're, it's like what you see right. when you watch TV. You're at the wall. You're at the bench. You are moving a little, but not a lot at that point. Mm -hmm. It's more just instructional. Right. And if you, Rachel, put on ballet shoes, I mean, could you dance like you danced before? Um, I mean, I haven't taken a ballet class since the day I stopped dancing, but I think I would be able to move, but definitely not in the same way because to be a professional ballet dancer, you have to be training 24-7 mm -hmm. to be able to do that. Um, you know, it's just like being an elite athlete. Right. You're, you have to be training all the time to be able to do it. So I wouldn't be able to dance in the same way. Um, but, you know, you could do maybe little moves here and there. Right. And um, is it a strange feeling to, like, be dancing for 15 years straight all the time, that you'll be focused, and then you just, like, literally don't dance anymore? I mean, at first, I think I definitely had um, difficulty finding my, like, identity. Mm -hmm. 
that was a separate, like my own identity separate from being a ballet dancer. That was definitely a very big struggle. Um, and I definitely missed performing, but the life of a dancer was so incredibly um, difficult and you live in a very much a bubble that um, that is something I don't look back where I'm like, oh, I missed that. But I think as a performer, you're always a performer. And I now kind of perform when I'm teaching fitness. And so I am able to kind of live out those feelings um, at Shays, not in the same way, but kind of like the perfect, what I need in my life right now. Right. So, I mean, you are the star, right, as the instructor. Right. I mean, everyone's looking to you and you have the mic, you yeah. know. Um, I mean, for me, I had to learn a lot from my mom in order to teach fitness because as a ballet dancer, you never use your voice. Mm -hmm. You're kind of trained to not speak up. You're not allowed to, you know, ask questions. Um, it's a very, like, silent world. Um, fitness, obviously, is very different. So it took me a long time to come, come out of my shell and be confident in using my voice and to motivate people and train people and not feel intimidated by saying the wrong thing. Right. And, you know, that takes time to figure out, especially coming from the ballet world. Right. So you, in the ballet world, you grew up with this, like, hierarchy of, like, no one questions, no one, like, diverts, right? Right. You follow the rules. You follow the casting. You don't question it. You know, like, and early, at eight years old, you can't yawn. You can't, you know, um, hiccup. You can't move an eyebrow. It's a very strict world. And I think a lot of that gave me skills that helped me in business, which is focus and determination and all of those things help me in business. But it definitely, I think, um, creates different personality traits that maybe I wouldn't have if I didn't grow up in the ballet world. But I think I'm able to utilize them in a good way now. Right. Well, I think well, to interrupt one of the, yeah. one of probably one of the funniest stories is, um, but I do want to say that Rachel, because she had an incredible talent, just to, and, it, and probably one of the hardest workers that you, and I'm not just saying this because I'm her, her mom, but even in School of American Ballet, that's why she was like cast as Marie, as the star in the Nutcracker. She was the most focused little girl that you had ever seen. Mm -hmm. So she was only eight when she did Marie in front of 3,000 people. So that kind of, you know, she was, it was almost too focused because it made it very hard for her to have any outside world or deviate from it. Right. And I will say she wanted it very badly. Mm -hmm. And then it snowballs. You know, once you get Marie, you just keep being sucked into that world. But there's so many elements that play into that to make it. But because she was in that world and then came, you know, to work with me, there would be times where it's all about, you know, clients and it's about that, you know, one-on-one -on -one and developing relationships. And I, she wouldn't talk. So we'd be at the desk and I don't stop talking. So it was hard for me. I had to like learn to like, like shut up. And, the, and I would look at her and I go, Rachel, you need to say like one word. So probably that has been one of the things that I have enjoyed watching is how Rachel has evolved as a human being. Right, right. And that I had this daughter that was just so individually focused and really, unless she was given a task, really couldn't communicate well. 
um, you know, she, we had to hire like some driver. We lived far out on Long Island. So we had people driving her back and forth. I worked, I had another child. Mm -hmm. And so she was really isolated. Mm -hmm. You know, um, she would have to be, you know, hours and hours in cars. And so you grow up, like, it's like being a child actor. There's right. no different than what Rachel had, mm -hmm. but she was just a dancer prodigy. But definitely that she did not know how to talk to clients. And this forced her to come out of herself. Right. That's, um, what does it feel like to hear that? I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's all true. <laughs> and it took me like, many years to be able to kind of find my voice. And now I love talking to the clients. And when I was on maternity leave and then I came back, I was so excited to be able to continue to build those relationships with the clients. And I feel um, like, you know, I'm in a totally different part of my life now. But it definitely took a lot of pushing because I remember when I first started working in the studios, I'd be like thinking about what I was going to say to the client, like for minutes before <laughs> I would like open my mouth to like make sure it was like the right thing to say to them. And um, now I just feel so much more confident in what I have to say, how I'm saying it, um, and how I just approach business. Um, that like set myself you know, a few years ago feels like a long time ago. Right, like what an opportunity to evolve and grow, right? Yeah. And I would think that would help in being a mom too. I think so. I mean, I'm very new at it, so I don't have much experience, but I definitely think um, working in business and working with my mom has given me like a lot of confidence um, that you don't get in the ballet world. Um, so I think I feel very grateful for that. And I think as a mom, you need kind of confidence in trusting your yeah. instincts. And I think I've we've been working on building that um, in business, you know, and trusting our gut and our decisions. And sometimes those decisions aren't right, but then learning from them. And um, obviously working together is a very unique and like special um, experience. So what's so interesting to me is you were saying that you, you were in this world but not having a lot of confidence, even though your mom just told me you were like one of the best, right? Like to get, right, one of the best. So it's so interesting how fragile you feel in that position of being one of the best because the culture. Well, right? you're, never, you're never good enough. Right. And especially anything at a high level, like you can take, obviously I was in skating, so you could take the top skaters. Anyone that gets to the top, you're never good enough. Mm -hmm. You're always critiqued. You could always be better. And you're kind of beaten down mm -hmm. is the process. I do think, however, um, I mean, Rachel wasn't there, unfortunately, but City Ballet now, the culture she grew up with, they've all been fired. Oh, uh -huh. So that's how bad it was. Mm -hmm. So if you can think of that, you know, because of the movement we're in now, mm -hmm. all of those people and the one that ran the whole thing is gone. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, she was under that umbrella yeah, from childhood on. Um, and I think, you know, as a mother, it probably is a little frustrating for me. I mean, we didn't know any better, mm -hmm. um, but that is the culture she grew up in and that's what you hear about today. Um, I guess, luckily, she got out kind of unscathed. <laughs> it was really, <laughs> well, for her, it was really, I think more than anything was her body, she had something called ovarian shutdown. And it's when your body is so stressed and it just between the stress of the physicality, trying to be so thin, right. not necessarily anorexia, but just not getting your period is a very oh, big uh -huh. thing. That's huge. And, and that's I, pretty common for dancers? It's common, but not 
always common to have happen what happened to her. Uh um, Which is you start gaining a lot of weight. Oh, interesting. Uh And it took her, it really took a lot of doctors Uh and a lot of years to get her body back. And she really found herself as I was starting to certify for mm-hmm. Shays. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting, really, because I sent her to trainers. I had nutritionists. I dragged her to doctors. It was a very, very difficult time and a very hard time in Rachel's life. And as well as mine, because it was heart-wrenching. Right. Um, it's yeah, I was, like, new. killing myself to, like, lose the weight and get healthy right. and again. And you weren't a dancer anymore. You weren't dancing anymore. I stopped dancing. Right. Um, and gaining I was, the weight in the company. Yeah, that's what really happened. Oh, uh-huh. um, so I was killing myself with all the normal forms of fitness, which right. spinning, mm-hmm. you know, pulling sleds mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff that I wasn't enjoying because I was a dancer. I, I loved moving. I loved music. But I was like, oh, I should do this stuff to lose weight. And then... Because you were trying to lose weight out of desperation because it wasn't... You couldn't yeah. have control over this Yeah, anymore. I had, didn't have control and it wasn't my body. It wasn't how I felt like myself. And then it was through kind of working with my mom and starting to kind of just play around and develop this new form of fitness. And it wasn't even that I was working with her in the sense of we're going to work together in this business. And we started to see my body change and I wasn't doing cardio. I was literally just doing our method with resistance and adding some ballet kind of back into it in a very simple way and allowing my body to move like a dancer, but with resistance from the chair and the bungees. And it totally transformed my body. Um, And so I think we realized what it could do. And also I became happy again. Mm -hmm. um, And I realized how much I missed moving and I Thought I felt like, oh, fitness, I think, is my next passion. It is my next phase. And then that kind of, like, started from there. And also, funny enough, gave her a small platform. I mean, so much smaller to perform again. Mm -hmm. And I think even though Rachel says, you know, she wasn't very good at speaking, there was a switch that would go on. It didn't matter. And that switch was a performing mm-hmm. switch that she had had since she was a baby. So once she hit that room, it was like, I'm I'm performing again. Whether I have to speak with a microphone, it didn't matter. Right. Because when you go to the level she went to, you're just so talented. So you could do all that. And I think that fulfilled her in a different way. And I think that's what the marriage was so good for her. Never knowing in a million years that I was really doing this in a lot of ways for her. Right. I couldn't have known that. But, you know, as I'm getting older, I am, you know, more. I've been in it a long time. And her brain works in such different ways than mine does. So more, she's so more involved. She's so much faster at getting things done. Um, she's also has much more, she has a lot of ideas about technology, things that I couldn't possibly think of today. Mm-hmm. So I think by her coming into the business, it really totally grew it in a way I could never have. And maybe it was just meant to be she came in at that point. Right. That's so awesome. What a lovely story of <laughs> mother or daughter helping each other. Yeah. I think it's um, like, you know, in fitness there, I don't know other mother daughters, um, but I think we're really lucky. We definitely bring different um, skills And I think we utilize those and use that to focus on what we're individually good at because what I'm good at is maybe my mom's not what she enjoys working on and what she enjoys working on is not like my skill set. So I think we definitely balance each other out really well. 
Um, and so I think no, we're she's lucky. She's good at that. everything. Is that true? <laughs> she just can't do everything. Right. So, the time, and especially right? now she's a mother. Right. So I think that was a little, you know, adjustment period too. She had a very bad pregnancy. So she was out for like really like a year between the pregnancy and then she broke her water very early and she was in the hospital for a mm-hmm. while. So we, that part when you both own it, and then you both have to kind of leave it because I'm worried about my daughter. Right. You know, so I think the last year, she's now if things obviously not good or great. But I think the last year, when you own things, you're so responsible for people. Right. And you're so responsible for leading them to lead the troops to make sure you're successful. So if the owners are out, the troops don't run the way they should. And so I do a lot of that, you yeah. know, the HR, the emotional support, the working with them. It's tiring, though. Right, right. But I do love everyone, and I've had some people that have been with me a very long time. And I also feel like Rachel, who had no friends except maybe the few that are left in ballet, was able to finally have, like, people around her and friends and more and the start of a normal life. Right. So, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about that because... Um, I would imagine that you could try to be friends with your cohort in the professional ballet world, but you're also incredibly competitive and all fighting for the the few spots. Yeah, it's definitely a unique um, situation. And it was all I knew because I never really went to a normal, like, educational school. Um, I was really always at ballet. Um, And so all of my friends were my fellow ballet dancers. Um, So it was all I knew was that my friends were also my competition. Mm -hmm. And it definitely, I think when I was maybe 11 or 12 was when it was the cattiest stage Mm. of um, girls. They were very mean, um, I think, out of probably jealousy um, because if I was getting a part that they wanted. And so there was a lot of things that um, were difficult, but I think made me probably stronger and able to handle myself once I got into the company. Um, once you're in the company, you know, all the people that you're with are your best friends, so to say, because you spend 24-7 with them, but you're also competing for the same parts, so it's really hard. I now still am, like, my two best friends are still in New York City about LA, um, and we, I think, just have a history that you can never take away and has built our relationships to what it is today. And maybe because I'm not a dancer anymore, I can maintain those Mm -hmm. um, friendships. Um, So I feel very grateful for those friendships and the time that we've, you know, been friends for so many years at this point. But it is a definitely, it's a very weird world because you're surrounded by dancers all day, but it's also lonely at the same time. Um, And so I think that's why certain types of personalities end up in ballet because you kind of have to be able to handle that and not everyone can. Um, you have to be a horse with blinders, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you it's hard to not let all of the emotion and like drama and gossip get to you um, because if you do, then it becomes very emotionally draining as well as physically draining. Right. So everything that all the words you're using is basically high school, um, just yeah. minus the physical aspect. Yeah, right. So I never yet. Right. Right. So minus school. the um, the the yeah. obviously like hours and hours of rigorous work that right. you had to do with your body. Everything else is like normal school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, except I guess just like more kids. Yeah. Um, and it's heightened because it's also your career. Right. So it's like tied in with. Um, 
And I think the ballet world is different because you start your career so early. Like you're starting a career, a full-time career at 16 years old. So when you say career, you're getting a paycheck? Yes. So, like, full-time, you know, that's your job. Mm -hmm. Um, Rachel had a job. Yeah, at 16. She moved out of my house at 17. Um, You know, I still, I finished high school. But, um, you know, yeah, I was your full-time job. And so I think you start work so young that I think a lot of times it's hard to kind of grow up in the ballet world because you start work so young and you kind of stay that age for, because nothing changes. Right. It's like, it's all the same people, you know, it's the same systems. And so it's hard to really kind of mature and grow if you're stuck in that bubble, so to say. Right. Well, this is so fascinating. And I think it's also, I mean, just so interesting that, you know, on the other side of your story is, you know, training elite elite athletes, right? Um, and then you come together and you get, get to work with regular people like me, right? Like I'm not a an athlete. I'm, a, I'm inside my heart. I feel like I am, you know. But I think a lot of people clients do. Yeah, but that's I what think- we I think um, are able to provide to our clients is our method and like our reinvention method allows people to move in a very unique way where they're building their bodies kind of like they're an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, it's building strong bodies, um, beautiful posture, but it's in a fun environment, in a very, like, supported environment. And so it doesn't have that cattiness. Um, it doesn't have – we are not snooty. We want – every inclusive. everyone hat can come, and I think that's what we create. But a lot of our create. clients actually go away on vacation together. Oh, actually, nice. Yeah, uh-huh. they've actually become family, and they go away, and they travel, and they take classes together. And I think, you know, if you look back at the history of fitness, that was really one of the things SoulCycle was so good at, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, doing that. I mean, now, obviously, it's been, it's a big machine. But I think that's really how theirs started and became very successful. And when I started the first studio, which was Physical Mind Studio, it wasn't even called Chase, the first Soul, second SoulCycle just opened around the corner from me. So I had clients coming to me that were going there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think if you can look at their success, a lot of it from those two women were built on that. And that's what I knew how to do. Right. You know, I knew I knew how to have relationships with clients. I knew how to build teams. I knew how to make teachers. I knew how to certify teachers. So those were the qualities I was able to bring to create the business. Um, and I think you need those qualities. But I think one of the most important things in our business today in the the corporation is that we as owners are still involved as a Mm day-to-day basis. And I think that makes the company much more successful. And I think it makes our people that work for us feel like we really care. And I think that makes them stay with us longer. And it makes them more invested in, in us and we're more invested in them. Right. And so, so far, we've been able to keep that going um, because we are both still here all the time. It is like a baby to us, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something I certainly want to, when I don't work anymore, I don't know when that is, but I want my daughter to make sure she has. I believe in working as a mother. Um, I would never force it on her, but I've always worked literally since my kids were born and especially today why why shouldn't you have that right. you could be so many things today and i think it's really important for a woman to know that she can be the mother the wife the businesswoman 
and what a full, great life yep. if you get to do it. Right, and spin a lot of joy into that mix and you have a happy life. So you actually just walked yourself into my last question, right? <laughs> which is like, what do you think the future looks like for Chase, right? You're opening up a space in my hometown in New Jersey. That's right, yep. um, Maplewood. in Maplewood. In Maplewood. So, franchise. So like, you know, when you daydream about the next five years, what do you see, Rachel? Um, I think, you know, develop, continuing to develop our programming, so varying our classes, developing our certification program, um, continuing to make the studios that we have even more successful. That's always what we want. And then we never know what other studios might develop out of, you know, those successes. Um, but I think we find... Component. Yeah, developing online. I mean, at the end of the day, fitness is so competitive and it's very saturated today. And so we focus on ourselves and what we're good at. And what I think we're really good at is the fitness, the classes themselves. And that then grows like our business kind of for us is because our classes are very results oriented. So people see results, feel results. And at the end of the day, that's why people are coming to work out. And it's a unique workout. There's very few workouts that work on form and posture. Mm -hmm. And with the world today and everyone on a computer and technology, you're something constantly in that kyphotic, which means shoulders in, mm -hmm. rounded over. Mm -hmm. Where now what we do opens you up and the bands from above, the bungees, really challenge you to develop that the upper back and the upper chest mm -hmm. muscles and strengthen them. Right. And I think that's something we really do that's very different. That's so cool. Than anybody else. Well, yeah. I'm so grateful that I got to know both yes, of you. It's such an you. interesting story. Thank and you. I wish you all the best as you thank grow. You. Thank business. you so much. Yeah, I'm excited to try the class. Yeah, it sounds yeah, really I fun. I feel like, yeah, this is important. Yeah. Up here. Oh, good. Like, shoulders and, and chest. So um Thank you for your wisdom. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Lauren and Rachel. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.